So, Lord, grant us your peace and blessing as we turn now to your word and speak into each of our hearts. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Our Bible reading this morning is from Luke chapter 8, and we read from verse 26 through to verse 39. And I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. Luke chapter 8, verse 26 to 39. Jesus heals a demon-possessed man. So they arrived in the region of the Gerasenes, across the lake from Galilee. As Jesus was climbing out of the boat, a man who was possessed by demons came out to meet him. For a long time he had been homeless and naked, living in a cemetery outside the town. As soon as he saw Jesus, he shrieked and fell down in front of him. Then he screamed, Why are you interfering with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? Please, I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had already commanded the evil spirit to come out of him. This spirit had often taken control of the man, even when he was placed under guard and put in chains and shackles He simply broke them and rushed out into the wilderness, completely under the demon's power. Jesus demanded, What is your name? Legion, he replied, for he was filled with many demons. The demons kept begging Jesus not to send them into the bottomless pit. There happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding on the hillside nearby. And the demons begged him to let them enter into the pigs. So Jesus gave them permission. Then the demons came out of the man and entered the pigs, and the entire herd plunged down the steep hillside into the lake and were drowned. When the herdsmen saw it, they fled to the nearby town and the surrounding countryside, spreading the news as they ran. People rushed out to see what had happened. A crowd soon gathered around Jesus, and they saw the man who had been freed from the demons. He was sitting at Jesus' feet, fully clothed and perfectly sane, and they were all afraid. Then those who had seen what happened told the others how the demon-possessed man had been healed. And all the people in the region of the Gerasenes begged Jesus to go away and leave them alone, for a great wave of fear swept over them. So Jesus returned to the boat and left, crossing back to the other side of the lake. Just let me pause there for a moment and say, if you ask Jesus to go away from you, he will go, just as he did there. It's a very dangerous thing to ask Jesus to go away from you. So Jesus returned to the boat and left, crossing to the other side of the lake. The man who had been freed from the demons begged to go with him. But Jesus sent him home, saying, No, go back to your family and tell them everything that God has done for you. So he went all through the town, proclaiming the great things Jesus had done for him. 
William Booth, who was the founder of the Salvation Army, once had a vision. Dark clouds and lightning hovered over a billowing, stormy ocean filled with thousands of people who were screaming for help and struggling to find safety. A huge rock rose up out of the ocean into the clouds, and around the rock stretched a platform filled with people. A few of the people on the platform tried to help the drowning ones. They flung ropes over and used ladders and boats. But most of the people on the platform went about their business, oblivious of those who were struggling in the sea, oblivious even of their drowning friends. Although they heard the cries, most of the platform people spent their time tending their gardens, raising their families, and begging God for assurance that they would one day reach security at the top of the mountain. Well, it's not difficult to understand what the message of that vision is. We Christians are often like the platform people who have been rescued from the dangerous ocean, but instead of reaching out with concern to those who are still struggling and in danger, too many of us have become taken up with our own lives and become cloistered Christians cut off from those who are not yet saved but who desperately need Jesus Christ in their lives. We've retreated into the safety of our church fellowships and our Bible study groups and isolated ourselves from needy people. Perhaps that world of needy, unsaved people terrifies us, just as the disciples were terrified by that demented, possessed man on the shores of Gadara. Yet Jesus reached out to that man and didn't try to avoid him. And you and I need to reach out to needy people just where they are. Instead of keeping them at a distance, we need to reach out and speak into them their lives with a tender, loving concern that reaches them where they are. Our lives must touch their lives if we are to bring them to meet Jesus. Now we learn a great deal about being a witness for Jesus from this story of the demon-possessed man. The man's life was in a desperate condition when Jesus met him. Not only was he out of control, he was under the control of evil demonic forces. His marriage and family life had completely broken down. He could no longer hold down a job. And due to his irrational and uncontrollable behavior, the civic authorities had put him in chains and set a guard over them. But he broke the chains and he escaped to live like an animal in this desolate spot where Jesus met him. Mark chapter 5 and verse 5 says, All day long and throughout the night he would wander among the tombs and in the hills, screaming and hitting himself with stones. It's hardly surprising that the disciples wanted to give him a wide berth. It's hardly surprising that... 
But Jesus was different. Jesus didn't shy away from this man. This man that didn't have a stitch of clothing. This man who was filthy from head to toe. This man who had injured himself and was covered with cuts and bruises. Jesus didn't try to sideswerve him. But rather he reached out to this man with love and grace in order to transform his life. You see, the healing touch of Jesus has the power to deliver those who are in the most desperate conditions in life. The healing power of Jesus is able to make people completely new. Luke 8 35 tells us that when news of what happened reached the village, people summoned up courage to come out to that desolate place and to see what was going on. Luke 8, 35, they wanted to see for themselves what had happened, and they saw the man who had been possessed by demons sitting quietly at Jesus' feet, clothed and sane. And what does that man want to do? When Jesus and his disciples left to cross back over the Sea of Galilee, when the people asked them to go, what did this man want to do? Luke 8, 38 tells us the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go too, but Jesus said, no, go back to your family and tell them all the wonderful things God has done for you. It would have been so easy for this man to have linked himself to the disciple band and followed Jesus wherever Jesus went. It would have been so easy for this man to have become one of the platform people. But Jesus sent him back into his world to where people were that he knew personally needed to hear how much Jesus had done for him. What a testimony. I don't expect that for many of us our testimony is as dramatic as this man's testimony was, but your testimony is every bit as real as his testimony was. Like him, we too were in bondage to sin and far away from God. That sin had destroyed our life. It had spoiled our relationships. It had enslaved us to destructive attitudes and habits. The prospect was bleak until we met Jesus personally. His loving touch brought healing to our hearts and transformed our lives. And it doesn't matter how it happened or whether our, our, our testimony is dramatic or ordinary Jesus sends each of us back into our world to the needy people who are in our world to tell the wonderful things God has done. Every Christian has something of value and worth to share with other people. But, but why are we so reluctant to tell the wonderful things that Jesus has done for us. Perhaps it's because, firstly, of the problems we have about witnessing. Yeah, witnessing causes many Christians problems. 
In his book, Personal Evangelism, J.C. Macaulay said, Every man is his own greatest problem, and we certainly stand in our own way when it comes to winning souls. Doesn't it strike you as remarkable that we can talk at length about a thousand and one different subjects connected to life and politics and the weather and everything else. But when it comes to speaking to someone about Jesus, it changes. We draw back. We dry up. Bill and Gloria Gaither, in one of the songs that they wrote some time ago, encouraged Christians to overcome this problem by becoming enthusiastic and excited about Jesus and the message of the gospel. And they said in that song, you talk about people, you talk about things that really aren't important at all. You talk about weather, you talk about problems that we have here at home and abroad. Well, my friends, I'm excited about a solution for the world I'm going to shout and sing, and it's Jesus Christ is still the King of Kings. If we Christians were more excited about Jesus, more taken up with Jesus, more filled with the Spirit of Jesus, if we were more committed to our faith and to serving Jesus, we wouldn't be able to do anything other than tell people about the wonderful things God has done. In his book, Witness is Witness, David Augsberger says, Tell who Christ is to you. Tell how you've come to know him as the personal leader of your life. Tell what a difference it made when you felt his forgiveness and became aware of his love and acceptance. That's the message that matters. Tell people what Jesus has done in your life. So, thinking about the problems that we face, we're encouraged in the scripture, don't be ashamed. The world tries to intimidate us. Uh, tries to make us feel foolish and ashamed when we witness for Jesus. Now, if you are someone who goes to the gym several times every week and you work out and you exercise and all the rest of it, the world looks at you and says, well, you're a, you're a fitness fanatic. That's a good thing. Or if you're really into golf and you're in the golf course several times a week and you're trying to improve your score and all the rest of it, the world looks on you and says, oh, you're a golf fanatic. That's, <laughs> that's a good thing. Out in the fresh air and getting some exercise, that's a good thing. But if you take Jesus Christ seriously and you are seeking to live for him and to serve him and to tell others about him, then the world looks on you and says, you're a religious fanatic, and that's not a good thing. Isn't it strange? 
those who really are committed to following and serving Jesus and witnessing for him, they are considered to be fanatical in their behavior. And people say, my religion is my own affair. It's none of your business. And they say that in order to silence our witness. I remember when I was uh, left school and I was working in the Department of Health and Social Security and tried to live a Christian life and to give a Christian witness to people around me. I had a colleague, and he used to call me a Jesus freak. I was the Jesus freak in the office. Actually, what I didn't know was there were actually one or two other Jesus freaks in the office as well. <laughs> Maybe they weren't quite so open about being followers of Jesus Christ. You see, the world will do whatever it can to intimidate you and silence you. Don't allow the world to do it. Do not be ashamed of being a Christian in your home, in your neighborhood, in your workplace. Don't be ashamed of being a Christian. Paul said in Romans 1.16, I'm not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It's the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes. Paul didn't apologize for who he was or what he believed or who he believed in. Paul was never ashamed to own Jesus before men. And he told young Timothy in 2 Timothy 1.18, you must never be ashamed to tell others about our Lord. And don't be ashamed of me either, even though I am a prisoner for Christ. With the strength God gives you, be ready to suffer with me for the proclamation of the good news. So, don't be afraid. And secondly, the scripture says, don't be ashamed. Secondly, the scripture says, don't be afraid. Stuart Briscoe said the problem with so many Christians and their need to witness verbally is the same thing that happens to the St. Lawrence River in the winter. They get frozen at the mouth. Sometimes we are so frozen with fear that we can't get the words out to speak about Jesus. 